Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our West location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Let's just take a moment and uh, bow our hearts and our heads together to pray. My desire this morning is that the Lord would speak to our spirits, not just our heads, but that the word of God will be planted deep in our spirits, will affect our lives. So let's just ask the Lord for that together. Lord, we bow before your word. You said heaven and earth would pass away, but your word would never pass away. You said your word was spirit and it was life. It would be food for our soul and it would be light for our path. And so today we open our hearts, we open our spirits. And we pray, Lord Jesus, Take your word, the incorruptible seed of the word of God, and plant it deep in our spirits. I pray, Lord, that as the Holy Spirit broods over this house and watches over this word, I pray that there will be fruit for eternity and for the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, quite a few of you we don't know so well because we go to 9 o'clock service. So it's great to be here with you today and to be able to uh, share the word of the Lord. I was telling someone after the first service that uh, 84 years ago when I was born, The doctors told my mother that I would not live. And they didn't want to bring me to her. I said it would be too hard. So she said, you bring me that boy. And she said, when they brought brought you to me, she said, I lifted you up to heaven. And I said, God, if you let him live, he's yours to preach the gospel as long as he lives. So I asked my mom one day, well, why didn't you say until he retires? (laughs) So anyway, I'm 84 years old. And uh, in the night I was wondering about whether I could really do this or not. And it seemed like in my spirit that my mother came to me and said, I'll be praying for you, so just get up there and do it. So I'm up here. I want to read from Matthew chapter 24, from verse 37. There are the words of Jesus, and he said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. 
For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, this is the application, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. Matthew chapter 24 is the prophetic window on the end of time. In it, Jesus answers the question from the disciples, what will be the sign of your coming? In this chapter, Jesus clearly states the fact that he will make a return visit to this planet. And he outlines the prevailing conditions that will herald his return. So I want to talk today about the second coming of Jesus. It's a fact. The fact is that Jesus Christ, who came here 2,000 years ago and walked this earthly sod for 33 years, is going to make a return visit. That's a fact. The danger for us, for all of us, is that though we know it, we can easily forget it and not be ready. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, which is the parallel passage with Matthew 24, he said, but take heed to yourselves. This is an individual matter. Lest your hearts be weighed down, overcome with eating and drinking and the cares of this life. Jesus said we need to watch because just doing life, going to work, paying the bills, raising the kids, dealing with life as it comes. He said it can so overwhelm us until we forget the return of the Lord Jesus. So he said, be careful, lest that day come upon you unexpectedly. Jesus used the illustration of Noah and his generation as an illustration for us. And when you read the story of Noah, both in what I read out of Matthew 24 in the book of Genesis, 
Noah was ready for the day. He had a word from heaven. And I want to say to us today that we have a word from heaven. It's in the Bible. I'm going to share it with you fairly quickly. But the rest of the people were just busy. It said they were eating and drinking and getting married. And when you read the book of Genesis, their lives were filled with sin and pleasure. And of course, yeah, the old man's been around for 120 years saying the same thing. Flood's going to come. Judgment's going to come. They heard it so often that it just bypassed them. They were busy with life. And so it, Jesus said, the flood came and they were not ready. Though they had been warned, they were not ready. So Jesus said to us, we need to be ready. And he used a couple of illustrations. He said there'll be two men in the field working. One will be taken and the other left. And there'll be two women working in the same office. Suddenly, one is missing. They've been taken. The other is left. And the great question that is before every one of us is when he comes, will we be taken or will we be left? That's the question. So Jesus went on to say, to apply this, Matthew chapter 24, he said, watch, be alert, be awake, be aware, watch. Therefore, because you do not know the hour when your Lord is coming, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. The point of all of this passage is that he is coming again. That's for sure. And that's the testimony of the New Testament scriptures. And I want to give you a lot of scripture. I heard the Lord say to me as I prepared this message, Use a lot of Bible and not too many of your ideas. So I'll try to follow those instructions. Jesus said in John 14, verse 1 to 3, let not your heart be troubled. Often our hearts are troubled just by life, by what's going on. But Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said, the thing that will settle our troubled hearts is the absolute assurance that there is another time, another day, another place, and he's coming back for us. And that is what helps our troubled hearts. In the last chapter, 
of the last book of the Bible, we have the words of Jesus. It's his final words, his sign-off to the church. And in that final chapter, he repeated one thing three times. He did it three times because sometimes we're slow to catch on. So in Revelation 22, 7, he said, Behold, I come quickly. In case we didn't get it, in verse 12, he said, Behold, I am coming quickly. And in case we missed those two, he said in chapter 22, verse 20, Surely, surely, without a doubt, without a question, you can count on it, surely, I am coming quickly. If that were the only promise in the entire word of God, then that would be enough. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. If Jesus said it, I believe it. And he said, if I go away, I will come again. But that is reinforced over and over again in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we have the witness of the angels. Jesus and the disciples are walking to Bethany, a little village two kilometers outside of Jerusalem. Suddenly, as they walked, he is caught up into heaven and disappears. The, the disciples are standing there looking up into heaven, wondering what in the world has happened. And the angels appeared and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. How did he go? Bodily, suddenly, unexpectedly. And that is exactly how he will come again. It was Paul who championed the message of the second coming more than anyone else. He wrote books, First and Second Thessalonians. He wrote entire chapters like 1 Corinthians 15, all to remind the people of the second coming of Jesus. To the Thessalonians, he said, chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. He wrote the Philippian church, a poor church, chapter 3, verse 20, and he said, for our citizenship is in heaven. Let me just say that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We are called in the Bible strangers and pilgrims. We're not home yet. Said for our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly, and the word there is 
we are standing on tiptoes with excitement and with expectation. We are eagerly awaiting for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Every morning when I pull on my socks, I think to myself, this could be the day. And when you get my age, you're looking for that day, I'm telling you in a really serious way. But our citizenship is in heaven. We don't belong here. We have been transported into the kingdom of God. We're marching to a different drumbeat, but one day we'll all be home. Paul wrote to Colossians and said, when Christ, who is our life, appears, when you read the story of Resurrection Sunday, you discover the Lord appearing. He appeared to Mary. Suddenly, unexpectedly, he's there. He appeared to two men who walked on the road to Emmaus. Suddenly, he's there. And Paul said, there is going to come an hour when Christ will appear. Suddenly, he will be here. And we will then appear with him in glory. Paul wrote the young preacher Titus and said, we're looking. We're looking for the blessed hope. And we're looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus. When he wrote the, the Hebrew Christians... Hebrews chapter 9, he talked about the appearing of Jesus. In fact, let me just say this. He talked about three appearings. They're verse 26, 27, 28. He said that Jesus once in the end of the world appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's his first appearance. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 said that he now appears for us as our intercessor in heaven. But he's not finished. He's going to appear once again without sin under the completion of salvation. Here's his appearance. He appeared first to save us from the penalty of sin. He now appears to save us from the power of sin. And he will appear to save us from the presence of sin. Peter called it a land where righteousness dwells. Let me hurry on. James said, the coming of the Lord is at hand. And in verse 9 of chapter 5, he said, behold, the judge is standing at the door. He's ready to come. Oh, I hear people say, but you've been saying that for a long, long time. And it's true. When I was a little boy, I heard them preach about the coming of Jesus. And I thought he'd come right away. And all of my life, I've lived waiting, looking, hoping, expecting. And sometimes I think to myself, well, Lord, you've been gone a long time. How come you, how come you say... I'm, I'm coming quickly. And then I remember the scripture that says, 
that with the Lord a thousand years is like a day. And I think to myself, well, he's only been gone two days. I guess that's not so long. But it seemed to me like a long, long time. We've been looking for his coming, but Peter said the reason he hasn't come is because he loves the world too much and his arms are outstretched and he wants them to come to him. And let me just say on the side, we're living in the hour of the greatest harvest in the entire history of the world. People are coming to Jesus literally by the millions of people every week and heaven is filling up, but the day will come when he will say, I'm ready to come back. Peter wrote this, 1 Peter 5 and 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let me tell you, this verse kept me preaching because there was a lot of times when I just wanted to quit. But whenever I did, I'd, I'd hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you're a shepherd here, but there's a chief shepherd. And if you'll stay faithful and stay true to me, there's a crown of glory that you'll receive and it'll not fade away. It'll be yours when I come again. John said, now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know, we know when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And Jude said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Now let me quickly move on and just talk for a few moments about what will happen. What will happen when he comes back? There's four things I want to share with you quickly. The first is that the dead in Christ will be raised. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. I've been by a lot of open graves. I was a pastor 50-some years. I know what it's like to stand with grieving people around an open grave. But every time I stood by an open grave, there was something in my spirit that said, lift up your eyes. Because one day there'll be an open sky. And he'll come back and the dead in Christ will rise first. Second, the living believers will be raptured. Paul said again in 1 Thessalonians 4, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. I still have this hope to be alive when he comes. I suppose I should buy a plot, but... I haven't done it yet because I told somebody I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. And in my heart, this is the longing in my heart is for him to come back and for us to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Genesis chapter 5, 
There's a chapter that I call the obituary column of the Old Testament. And if you were to read that chapter, here's how it goes. So-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. And so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. And so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. And on it goes until he gets a little bit monotonous. But in the middle of that chapter, around the 22nd verse, it says, but Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. And it says in the book of Hebrews that before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And Enoch interrupted the obituary column of the Old Testament. And I want to tell you today that there will be a whole generation of blood-bought people who are going to interrupt the obituary columns and we are going to go to heaven without dying. We will be caught up in his presence. Well, the third thing in this passage is that we will receive new bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, we shall all be changed. This corruptible will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. Philippians 3 and 20 said that he will transform our lowly bodies, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. 1 John 3 and 2 said, we shall be like him. Psalm 17, 15, the psalmist said, I'll be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Some of you are young and you look pretty sharp, but I'll tell you, some of us are going to need an upgrade pretty quick. But the hope in my heart that's steadfast and sure is that one day God will transform this body and it will be fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus. It will never die. It will never be sick. It will never know pain. It will never feel heartache. And we will be transformed and be like Jesus. And I'll be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. And finally, we'll go to heaven. It says that we will meet the Lord in the air. Heaven's a wonderful place. Often my heart is homesick for heaven. There's a song said, I have a longing in my heart for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart to see his face. I am weary, oh, so weary, honest, of traveling here below. And I have a longing in my heart for him. So let me close by saying three things about our hope. First of all, it is a blessed hope. Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus. Quite frankly, 
I don't know how I could live in this world without that hope. But in spite of what happens and what the culture is like and what the circumstances are, we have a living hope, a blessed hope that he'll come again. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, now when these things begin to happen, look up, come on. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Second, it's a purifying hope. John said everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. I believe, simply put, I need to live every day in the light of his coming, realizing that at any moment of any day, he could come. And John said there's a possibility of being ashamed at his coming or being filled with great joy at seeing him face to face. And finally, it's a challenging hope. Paul said in Romans 13, 11, knowing the time. I guess the question is, what time is it? And I think the answer, honestly, is it's getting close to the time when it come again. That knowing the time, it's high time to wake out of our sleep. See, there's a job to finish. There's a lost world to win. There's people, loved ones who need to come to Christ. And he said, we are challenged by the fact of the coming of Christ. It's harvest time. I was raised on the farm and we worked hard and I thought my dad was crazy most of the time, the way he made us work. But when harvest time came, he just sort of lost it. Like, you just work day and night. It was harvest time. And some mornings when he'd call me at 5 o'clock in the morning and say, it's time to get up, I'd grumble and complain. And he'd say to me, you could sleep in the winter. It's harvest time. And let me say this as I close the message to all of us. I include myself first. But to all of us, It's harvest time, time to gather the fruit, time to reach the lost, time to get the job done, not the time to sleep, time to finish the work. And that's the message for today. What I want us to do as we close this morning is I want you to listen to a song I played it when I preached here a while back too. And I, you know, I could be in a rut, but I think this is what the Lord wants. But it's a song that has to do with the day when we will meet the Lord. And it's a song about well done. There's one thing in my heart, and I'll close it, that there's one thing in my heart I desire above everything else. And that is when I stand in his presence that he'll say, well done. Nothing else matters, not really. 
not really, but that matters a great deal. So I want us to listen to this song. If you need to make some decisions, some commitments, you can do that where you are. You can come and kneel at this altar. If you want someone to pray with you, someone will come and stand beside you. But listen to this song and open your hearts. Let the Holy Spirit just speak to us individually in whatever way he needs to. And God bless you and thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.